Um, we have been looking at the book of Habakkuk uh, as, we, as we look at some of the happenings around our world, the things that are going on. <clears throat> and uh, we, uh, we have said the last couple weeks, uh, Romans 8.22, it says that we know all of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. There's, God is up to something. He's preparing the earth for something. And it's not just a nebulous something, but He's preparing the earth for His plan and purpose, for His glory to come. As we, as we looked at last week, right in the middle of Habakkuk, that, that the, the glory of God will come in such a way that he will, His glory will be known over the whole earth. He's going to renew a new heaven and a new earth. Anybody excited about that? Yeah. Right? Um, but in the, in the meantime, in the, in, the, in the process, the earth is groaning because things are not right. Right? Sin and death corrupted the world. And God has been at work bringing his kingdom here. And there will come a point when his kingdom comes fully and the earth is fully transformed. And death and sin will be done away with. But in the meantime, the earth is groaning. Right? So, um, so again, a lot of, some of the, the thoughts around this, certainly for me anyways, come out of uh, what we've been watching in the Middle East. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is all part of God's timetable, all part of what God is doing as well. Um, and uh, in order to set up, uh, I think, where we want to go in Habakkuk, I'm gonna, we're going to do a little, a little we're going to read from another prophet to set up Habakkuk. We're, we're going to read a lot of prophet literature today, all right, so... So uh, here we go. Listen to what it says in Zechariah 12. This is a prophecy about what will happen with, with Israel. Okay? An end times prophecy of what will happen with Israel. Zechariah chapter 12, starting in verse 2. I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. Does everybody know what besieged means? Right? When they would, they would lay, put a siege around a city, surround it with a, an army and starve them out. You know, they couldn't get water and supplies and all that stuff. So uh, Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. On that day I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness, declares the Lord. I will keep a watchful eye over Judah. But I will blind all the horses of the nations. Then the clans of Judah will say in their hearts, the people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. On that day, 
I will make the clans of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile. That's a bad idea, isn't it? Right? I will make the clans of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile, like a flaming torch among sheaves. They will, they will consume all the surrounding peoples right and left, but Jerusalem will remain, will remain intact in her place. Right? So, so to some extent, the, there was a foretaste of that prophecy that happened in the Six-Day War in 1967. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but, um, but in a nutshell, what happened is that there was a literal siege of Israel by armies of Arab nations to choke off fuel supplies and to prepare for a coordinated attack to annihilate the Jewish people and destroy the state of Israel. Israel had only existed as a nation since 1948. This is just under 20 years later. It's a brand new nation. The fledgling nation of Israel shocked the Arab world when they preemptively attacked Egypt, Jordan, and Syria all at the same time and took significant territory. So everyone was surrounding them, planning this attack, attack and starving them out from, from resources. But they, they did a preemptive attack, took a whole bunch of land. Um, and there are many stories that I've read over the years from the Six-Day War where God miraculously brought confusion in the armies and the air forces of Israel's opponents and Israel won when the odds against them were impossible. It was, it was almost like the stories in the, in the Old Testament when God threw the enemies into confusion and God won the war for Israel. Right? Um, so, so there was a, a shadow of this fulfillment in the, in the Six-Day War. But the nations will again surround Israel. And God will again deliver them because he's not done with the Jewish people. The church has not replaced the Jewish people in God's prophetic plan. The things that he says he will do through the Jews, um, he will yet do them before the end. It's, they're not metaphorical it's not the church is going to step in and do those things, but Israel is going, the, the Jewish people are going to do them. Um, he wasn't joking when he said to Abraham that he was going to make his family a great nation and that those who bless them would be blessed and those who curse them would be cursed. Um, is it any wonder? They, they are, they are, God's chosen nation. Is it any wonder that they have been the most attacked, hated, and vilified group of people in all of history? The devil wants to destroy them because they are precious to God. They are God's chosen people on the earth to bring about his salvation plan. And yes, that partially had its fulfillment, or to a great extent, had its fulfillment in Jesus birth, death, resurrection. But the, the story's not over. God's story for the Jewish people is not over. Um, 
a little further in Zechariah chapter 12. It says, and I will pour out on the house of David, right, the, 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 the nation of Israel and, and its king, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn. In other words, though for 2,000 years the majority of the Jewish people have rejected Jesus as their Messiah, there will come a moment in the end times when the Jewish people will realize, probably, maybe in the, in the rapture, right, when the church is taken out, I don't know when it will be exactly, but there will come a moment when the Jewish people will realize the light will come on, he is the Messiah. And, a, and a, uh, the grace will be poured out upon the Jewish people, and God will raise them up as evangelists in the, in the tribulation to bring the gospel to the nations, right? And so Revelation chapter 7, Then I saw another angel coming up out of the east, having the seal of the living God, and he called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. And then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. Right? The Antichrist will put a seal on those who follow him. Mark of the beast. I don't know what that is exactly. We don't know what that is. But, but God is going to put a seal on his people. Again, don't know what it is, but he's going he's to seal them for his purpose. He's going to protect them and send them out with an anointing of the Spirit to, do, to, to bring the gospel to the nations in the time of tribulation. Right? So all that to say, God's, God's plan for the Jewish people is not finished. And, and, there, and God's, there is a protection upon the Jewish people. Um, doesn't mean that they... Again, as I've said before, it doesn't mean that the, 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 the government of Israel do, always does everything right. The government in, in history of Israel didn't always do everything right. But yet when they came and repented and came to God, he stepped in and he defended them and protected them and caused them to, to go forward in victory, right? Okay, so some background there. But let's, let's move into Habakkuk chapter 3. And Habakkuk... Um, sorry, I had all those scriptures up here and I forgot to put them up for you. There you go. You could have read them along with me. Okay. All right, here we go. So Habakkuk... After seeing the mess the world was in, and seeing the extent to which God would have to go to get the world to where he wants it to be, right? He wants, that he, God says, the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And Habakkuk looked around him and said, but the world is so far from that, right? But the world is so far from that. How is that possible? 
And Habakkuk realizes that without God doing something beyond his imagination, something awesome on the earth, that, that there's no hope for the earth, right? There's no hope for us to get where God wants to take us unless God does something mighty and powerful. And the Jewish people have been steeped in the stories of God's power to deliver. They were a story people, right? Every Shabbat, every Sabbath, they would sit around the family table and they would share the stories of God's faithfulness to Israel over the centuries. And every one of their their festivals, their annual festivals, religious festivals, were centered around the stories of God's power to deliver, right? The stories that they'd heard growing up again and again. Every Passover, hearing the same stories of how God used the plagues to bring the Egyptian empire to its knees and and an oppressed, enslaved people out of slavery through through the Red Sea, right? The, The miracles of what God had done. Every Passover, they would hear the stories again. Every Pentecost, they would celebrate the story of God uh, giving the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. They would celebrate those stories. The Feast of, of Tents, the Feast of Tabernacles, they would celebrate the provision of God in the desert for 40 years, supernaturally feeding and caring for the people, even though they had rebelled against him again and again. He was faithful and provided and cared for them. The, 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 the festival of Purim celebrated the delivering of the Jewish people from a genocidal plot by the Persian Empire. There, were, there was a plan to, to completely annihilate the Jews and God through Esther. You find it in the story in the book of Esther. God, God delivered them. And they would tell the story again and again. They were a people of stories. And Habakkuk, in Habakkuk 1, uh, 3, verse 2, it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God, I have heard of the stories of how you have delivered your people again and again and again. But God, it doesn't look like it's possible again unless you come and do something that only you can do. Some of you... grew up hearing stories of outpourings of the Holy Spirit and things that God has done in our history. Powerful things. Supernatural salvations. Supernatural miracles of healing. Seasons and times when the Spirit of God fell on the church in such power that people couldn't couldn't get off the floor and they, they, they didn't go home until late at night because, because God was so powerfully upon his people. 
And they didn't just hoard it for themselves, but they would, they would go out in the streets and the power of the Spirit and share the gospel and people would, would come to Jesus. We look around at our city, we look around at our region, we look around at the desperation of people's lives. People caught in addiction, people, people trapped in domestic abuse, and people, people uh, held captive by depression and anxiety and all of these things. And something should rise up in our hearts like Habakkuk to say, God, I've heard of you the stories. I've heard the stories of the things that you can do. Renew them in our day, God. Do it again. Do it again. Stir up in our hearts the things that... And there was this, this cry in Habakkuk's heart for a move of God to happen among the nations, among his, their, his people. There is coming a day when there will be no more sickness or sorrow or dying or pain. And Jesus' kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy will cover the whole earth. And we will experience the great Sabbath rest of his presence. Amen? But when we look around at the world today, it doesn't seem possible sometimes. Not without a powerful move of God. God, come and move on the earth today as you have in the past. Let it stir up in our hearts. Let's pray those prayers, but then be careful what you pray for. <laughs> Listen to these words. This is going to be the longest section we're going to read this morning. I'm just, I'm going to try and read it quickly. But listen, listen, listen quickly. Okay? Listen to these words of what happens when God, when God answers the prayers and the cries of his people for help. All right, here we go. Verse 3. God came from Timon the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from His hand where His power was hidden. Plague went before Him. Pestilence followed His steps. He stood and shook and the earth shook. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow and you called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. 
Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens. At the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear, in, the wrath, in wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With, with his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the seas with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard, okay, churning the great waters. We'll stop there. Ah, wow. Wow. The section of scripture describes in poetic form a picture of God coming in power to deliver his people when they turn to him and call for help. Think mama bear times a trillion, right? The God of the universe, the creator, mighty savior comes in power to deliver when his people call on him. Seems, seems as though in answer to Habakkuk's prayer that God um, would do in his day what he had done in the past. We, we see elements in his description, in Habakkuk's description of this vision that he has of God coming to deliver. We see, we see elements of God, how God delivered the, the Israelites from the Egyptians, right? Talks about the, 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 the great sea being torn and 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 so so and God coming with plagues before him and pestilence behind, right? And there's this picture of, of how God came in the past, and then God gives Habakkuk a vision that he is coming to do the same thing. Right? Wow. The cup of wrath. The cup of wrath towards these oppressors had become full. And God comes to deal with them. The Bible says God, God revealed to Moses. Remember that time when, when Moses said, show me your glory? God said, all right, I'm going to stuff you in a, in, a, in a hole in the hill. And I'm going to cover you, walk by you, and, and then you can look at my back. Right? But as he walked by, as, as God walked by Moses, he declared his glory and his, who he was. And, and here's what he said. Yahweh, the Lord. Yahweh, Yahweh. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and, with their, uh, and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So God, God revealed to Moses that he is a, a compassionate God, slow to anger. 
Aren't we glad God is compassionate and slow to anger? Right? That He's faithful, forgiving, loving. Amen. Um, but when a nation refuses His correction again and again and chooses evil again and again, we see in the scriptures that the cup of God's wrath gets full at some point and there's a tipping point. There's a, a point at which God says, enough. I'm coming. Get out of my way. Right? So there's a, there's a truth that we need to hear today. This is, this is a description of the the, the, the revelation that, that Habakkuk had thousands of years ago. But here's a truth we need to hear today. The Lord of glory is coming in justice to judge the nations. The book of Revelation makes it plain that though we are not there yet, when the cup of wrath comes full towards the greedy, tyrannical nations of the world and towards the Antichrist and all that he will do towards the people of God, God's wrath will come and it will be terrible. Jesus said women should hope they're not bearing children during that time and people will want mountains to fall on them uh, rather than bear the wrath of God's judgment on the earth. Before that day, Jesus is coming to take his church out of the world. We will want to make sure that we are a part of that church, right? Now is the day of grace. Now is the opportunity to turn to Christ and escape what is coming. God is coming to judge the nations, and in doing so, He will bring justice. He will bring righteousness. He will bring what is good. He'll, he'll you know, eliminate the evil and bring His kingdom, His glory, right? But we live right now in the waiting. We live right now in the waiting time. Verse 16, Habakkuk re responds to what God just showed him, this vision that he had. It says in verse 16, I heard and my heart pounded and my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept in my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation's Invading us. Habakkuk is so overcome by the vision that his legs give out and he feels like he's been shaken right to the core. He has a very physical, visceral reaction to this vision that God gives him. But the result is interesting. He says, yet I will patiently wait Wait a minute, this isn't the Habakkuk we know, right? This isn't the impatient Habakkuk that, that demanded an answer from God and demanded it now. This isn't the same Habakkuk, is it? Right? 
Yet I will patiently wait. This vision has done something to Habakkuk. His frustration, his confusion, his fear, his doubt, his impatience has all of a sudden been swallowed up by a patient trust in God who is bigger than all of it. Right? God has reassured him that he's taking all of this, as we said, towards a time when the whole earth would know the glory of God. Not just Habakkuk's people, not just the Jews, not just God's chosen nation, but the whole earth, the nations would know the glory of God. And just when Habakkuk thought that God no longer cared the way that he did in the past, God gives him a vision of the passionate love he has for those who call on his name. Folks, you may not always see it. You may not ever know on this side of eternity the times that he has come in power to protect you. The times that he has come in power to move circumstances on your behalf. But those who are in Christ are enfolded by the love of the Father and you never need to wonder if God has your back. Impatient Habakkuk becomes patient Habakkuk because he now, it's been settled in his heart that God has my back. And he knows what he's doing. Right? And so in verse 17, maybe some of the most familiar verses for us in this, in this book. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pens and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. It's talking about, I mean, most of us can't necessarily relate to grapes and olives and sheep in the pens, but he's talking about, he's talking about economic collapse. He's talking about financial uncertainty. He's talking about the world as you know it coming apart, right? Though my bank account is looking scary and my fridge is looking bare, though I don't yet know where my rent money is coming from and the economy is in free fall, though I turn on the news and everything is dark and troublesome, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Right? Though I don't yet see the results of my prayers, I now understand the timing and the purpose of God. Though the wheels seem to be coming off and everything around me doesn't seem to line up with the reality that God is in charge, I will trust and be patient because now I get it. I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I may not get joy from my circumstances, but I can choose joy because I know that God is good and I know that He'll get me through and I will be joyful in God my Savior. And then in verse 19, it says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. You ever have days like that when it's, it's just God that gets you out of bed and gets you going in the morning, right? Like it's, it's, it's God. It's knowing that He's the sovereign God. That means the God who's in control of all things, right? The sovereign Lord, the sovereign God, He gives us Strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. The God who is over all, who orders my steps, who holds all things in his hands. The God who turns evil to good for those who trust him. The God who is taking all things, all things towards his glory being manifest on the earth. He is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer walking in the high places. I want to show you a little, a little 45 second video. if you can tell in that video but that's that's a that's a sheer rock face they're stand they're climbing on and and wrestling while they're doing it isn't that amazing it's exactly the picture that Habakkuk has in his heart as he writes this. How many of you want to want to try what they're doing? Right? Some of you can't make it up the stairs, let alone, right? And yet Habakkuk says, Something happens to me when I let God be my strength. Something happens to me. And I, worship team, come on up as I'm, I'm saying this, please. Something, something happens to me. When I stop getting consumed with worry and concern about my circumstances or the economy, or whatever else is going on around me, the news cycle. When I get my eyes off of those things and I, and I actually put my, I actually rejoice in God my Savior. 
I actually trust in the sovereign Lord. God who has all things in his hands. Something happens to me, says Habakkuk, where all of a sudden I go from not sure I can make it up the steps to being able to be as sure-footed. You know, there's days when I'm walking on, I feel like I'm, I'm just walking on straight path and I feel like I, I'm going to I'm going to fall on my face. You know what I mean? We're just, we're just walking through life and we just feel like we're smack, right? And yet when, when we learn to trust in God, not only do we have the strength and courage to walk, you know, a normal path, but we can actually, we can actually walk in places where before we would fear to tread. We can walk in places with faith and courage that before would have shaken us to the core. I'm glad we got to know Habakkuk a little bit. I'm glad we got to peer into his life because you know what? There are days when you and I are far more like the Habakkuk at the first of the book than we are like the Habakkuk at the end of the book. But thank God, there's two ends to the book, right? Thank God that our story is not over until it's over. That we're on a journey and that on those days when we feel like chapter one Habakkuk, God hasn't given up on us. He's not lost patience with us. But if we lean into him, he will give us a reassuring revelation of his love and faithfulness and goodness that will strengthen us to our core so that we can be like deer that walk on the heights. So let me pray for us today. Would you stand? Let me just ask as we as we as we go to pray. Um, that if if you if you would say this morning, Pastor, I I identify with chapter one Habakkuk today. And I would love for you to pray for me. I'd love for you to pray that God would move in my heart to strengthen me to give me to give me that reassurance in my heart carry me to a place to to lead me to a place where I can put my trust and confidence in him would you raise a hand and say pastor would you pray pray that for me today I feel like chapter one and I want to be chapter three let's pray father I thank you I thank you for the the story of Habakkuk, the, the prophecy of Habakkuk, the declarations that we see in this, in this book. Thank you for, God, the, the reassurance that you know what you're doing. You are the sovereign Lord. 
That God, no matter what we see in the world, what we see in our lives, in our families, in our community, in the news cycle, in the economy of our nation, no matter what we see, God, you will not let us go. You will not stop caring for us, providing for us, and being all that we need, being our strength. And so God, today I pray for each one of us that you would take us from a place of, of um, maybe anxiety, of uncertainty, of fear, of confusion, of frustration, that God, you would give us just like, just like the vision of God's glory is in, the, is in the heart of the book of Habakkuk, may, may it be in the heart of our lives. The vision of your glory, the trust that, God, you are taking us somewhere, and it is good. And that, God, you would rivet our attention and our confidence upon you. That no matter what happens around us, that we would rejoice in God our Savior. So God, I pray that you would move in our hearts. That God, you would not only, because, because Father, I believe this is not just about us being okay. You want more for us than just to be okay. You want more for us than just to survive. But God, we are people of hope and you want to send us out into this world as people who are rejoicing in God our Savior so the world can see that we have hope. So the world can see that we are people who dance on the mountaintops. And that they will find in us someone that they can turn to and say, take me. Take me to that place of faith. Help me find hope. So God, move in our hearts, I pray, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. time with God, we would encourage you not to rush off, but wait upon the Lord and allow him to infuse in your heart even more confidence in him. Amen. And also, if, if you're here today and you have a need, a physical need, spiritual need, the Breakthrough Prayer Team is here to minister to you, to pray for you. We would ask you to come and and just wait upon God for that breakthrough. Have yourself a great afternoon. And I'm just going to ask you as a congregation, pray for the, the board and the pastor. We're going to be meeting this afternoon talking about vision. Just pray for us that God would give us wisdom and leading of his spirit. You have yourselves a great afternoon. God bless you.
天。